Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl D. Fulton with my teammates Brian Allen and Professor Craig Hawkins. We got our good friend and then screener Eric ready to receive your phone call. Please call him right now. He's ready and willing to put you on the air with us on this live presentation. We in the second half of our broadcast. One triple eight LA Talks is the number. Numerically, that's one triple eight five two eight. 2557. Start calling in right now while we have these open calls. Brian is suggesting that people are on a holiday weekend. I forgot it was Thanksgiving Day the other day, and this is the weekend. So, hey, if you're not too stuffed, you're not too stuffy, give us a call at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this broadcast does go as you have called in, and you call in with questions that are on your mind, uh, issues that are you going through, and you want to know if the Bible has an answer for it. The Bible talks about various issues. Uh, there's a countless number of issues that I, I mean, I can just have a thousand and one questions myself just by reading through the Bible the way I do chronologically. And I would suggest, folks, that if you're a believer, uh, even if you're an unbeliever, that you would open up this book and uh, really consider uh, it, that it is God's word that we're claiming. So believer, if it's God's word, then you need to hear what daddy got to say. So you need to be reading your Bible in some kind of systematic way, studying it for those issues that are going through, that you're going through in life to get the biblical perspective and to live uh, in a sort of a Christian mindset. You're only going to get that by being renewed by your mind, which is a, we read earlier in Romans, that's one of our admonitions to do, not to conform to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a reasonable service. It's a, are you offering your as a living sacrifice because God uh, uh, paid the price for your wretched soul and now you are in right standing with him. Unbeliever, atheist, agnostic, those of uh, have a different religious uh, perspective, we're saying that, you know, hey, if your religion is not the Jesus of the Bible, then you have the wrong religion. Can I say that in uh, America? Yes, I can. I have a, 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 what is it, a First Amendment right to do that because uh, I can say it. But more importantly, I have a duty to tell you the truth. It'd be a shame that if we know the truth, if we have the answers and uh, the answers for the vicissitudes of life, we have the antidote for the sin nature that we all have and we don't share it. That would be a shame on a professor's part, on Brian's part, on my part as well. So give Eric a call right now at one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. And we want to receive your phone call. We want to be able to deal and talk with you about uh, the questions you have from a biblical perspective. Brian. You don't sound like it. Okay, now I am. Thanks, Andy. It's too loud. No, uh, go ahead. You know, one of the things, too, this is the time of the year that people, you know, they have a lot of questions about Christmas. You know, they have a lot of questions about the birth of Christ. Uh, and so uh, let, let's get started on them right now. You know, we're, we're, we passed Thanksgiving, and hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. But now we're getting into the time of, uh, of the, the, the date or the day we celebrate the birth of Christ, you know, and, 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 uh, and that's super important. You know, I, I, you know, I, I believe wholeheartedly, you know, one of the most important things is the resurrection of Christ. You know, Paul says I come as a first importance, but, you know, and I agree with that. Okay. But, Easter but, time as they would call it. In the exactly. World, yeah. But, you know, Jesus wouldn't have resurrected unless he came to this earth. You know what, if you want to do me a favor and get me to stop dealing with all this uh, Christianity stuff, just uh, produce a body, uh, tell me where they got Jesus' body, and, man, we can, you know, go on and do something else. Because without that death, without the resurrection of Christ, then our religion, our belief system, is we're miserable, man. We of all people most miserable. We, we should, we, we're just wasting our time. 
And really it, are. You know, you think about the prophecies of the birth of Christ and mathematical all, all, certain uncertainties. All of that is, is just you know the, uh, the virgin birth, the whole the whole nine yards. It's it's so powerful. It's such a blessing and. Man, if, if he didn't do that for us, man, we'd be in our sins. Hey, Craig, I mean, haven't you said, Craig, in the, in the past, especially, you know, not only uh, privately to us, but publicly, that this Christianity thing cramped your style? And then when you got, when you dove into it, uh, as we dive into the second hour of our broadcast, it really cramped your style and what life was all about, didn't it? Well, that's exactly it, Daryl. I always chuckle when people give me this, like, oh, well, you were probably a nice little good boy. <laughs> A religious boy. I'm like, Craig was no Boy Scout, believe me. Guitar out of you for saying that. <laughs> I I used to, I practiced martial arts. I used to fight for fun. I, I used to get in trouble, race cars and motorcycles on the street. Um, you know, do stuff. The the bad boy. I would be voted the the, the guy you wouldn't want your daughter. To be. <laughs> uh, that's who I was, and uh, I did a lot of things. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, Christianity, I became a Christian. It's like, man, alive, i got to be nice to people. I'd rather just punch their lights out. Mm. Or I actually got to a point where I just didn't care. Like, leave me alone. I really didn't want to bother talking to you. And and now I'm supposed to be nice to people I don't like. And, and you know, the things that Christian and I'm supposed to be chase, and I'm, I'm not supposed to do this and that. I mean, it, it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. I don't want to say that. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But he does transform us and give us guidelines for life that more abundantly. And let's just say that was not the way I was living. So I just always, I'm always amused at these, oh, you must have just been a nice boy. And that's why you, t- you know, you were religious. And you, that's why, you know, you took <laughs> this. I'm like, what are you talking about? Right, right. Tell, tell that. I, there were people who know, this is actually true. There were people in high school who knew me, uh, that knew my family in that, and who they had voted me most likely not to become a Christian. That's my legacy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, I won't get into the war stories about myself, especially not Brian, the, the good old Catholic boy over there. But um, anyway, Brian and I both have Catholic backgrounds, and then it's uh, quite Catholic? interesting. Well, uh, call it what you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was very much oh, Roman yeah, Catholic. Yeah, it was yeah, very yeah, much yeah, Roman Catholic. Catholic. I was, Absolutely, was an altar boy. And well, I wasn't all that. I never made my first what is a conf- uh, communion because we communion. kept moving. They got pictures with that little robe, that little white and, oh and gold, little looked like a superhero with the cape. <laughs> Stop it! Stop <laughs> it! Stop it. <laughs> and then uh, just going through, uh, uh, just being an altar boy, you sitting through the mass, and you know. Uh, it, it was a trip, man. I, I think back, and it's just, it's so structured and so, you know, it's like, I, I felt like I was like a robot, you know? Well, look, I'm not I'm not putting it down from the structure aspect. As a matter of fact, I like the structure yeah. personally, but I, I am saying this, that when it gets down to the doctrinal issues I talk to, uh, especially my mom and everything, and many people on, the, on that side of the family who deals with, uh, who are Roman Catholics, who, go, who tend to ask and things like that. And I'm, I'm not surprised, just like I talk to people in the Protestant churches. Man, folks don't know what they believe, Craig. Well, well, they really know, don't know what they believe. Well, so know. this broadcast that we're doing is so vitally important from my perspective. Now, I like doing the Stations of the Cross because we got out of class, you know. <laughs> it's just get like, me in there 45 and get me out. Uh. <laughs> exactly. 
But listen, ladies and gentlemen, you again, you're listening to Bible Information Brokers, um, Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH, Brian Allen, myself. Give Eric a call. We do have some open lines. We want to receive your phone calls. We're going to get to them uh, momentarily, so hang in there. But the number is one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. If you go to our website, you can navigate on uh, there while we uh, the broadcast is on, and you can send us a, a email question by clicking contact us, or you can go to our Facebook, check that out, and send us a question by that method as well. We want to utilize all the methods that we have to be able to answer your questions from a biblical perspective, because that's what Bible information brokers mean. Information from a biblical perspective. Let's go to our good friend Dan in South Bay. Brother Dan, thanks for holding on, man. Hi. Hey, brother. How you doing? All right. Happy uh, belated Thanksgiving to you, all three of you. We really appreciate that, Thank brother. you, Dan. You as well, Dan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, hi, Craig. Hey, Dan. And hello, Brian. Hello, Dan. Leaving you out. All right, guys. Uh, get right into the question. Um, uh, two weeks ago, I was talking about and asking about uh, prayer. And we're talking about contemplative prayer and meditation. Simply put, prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening. Um, And I've got Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. That's in the King James. In your New International, it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Uh, Paul has told us to pray without ceasing. So, uh, what is prayer and what is it not? And how can we hear uh, God speaking to us? That's my question. Well, sure. Well, uh, well, the questions and a lot of really good ones and big ones. We didn't just start. Can scratch the surface. By the way, I, I love E.M. Bounds. He did originally like yes. a seven, eight. They're little works. I think with volumes, but mm. they're small works. But then it was com- somebody combined it into one work. And E.M. Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-S, I think is Have a phenomenal book. work on prayer. I also like uh, Ari Tori, uh, the Prayer of Power, the Power of Prayer. Although I, my language would be prayer isn't powerful, but God is who works through prayer because then he ordained it. Um, so, so at any rate, uh, so those are two works. I have a, actually a bibliography on some, some of the better books on prayer. And, and there's some silly stuff out there that one should not look at, listen to. And the contemplative type prayer stuff uh, is part of that. Um, it's interesting. There's, like, there's at least ten, if not almost a dozen or more words for prayer. Indeed, actually, I talked about one of them earlier. The most generic, well, excuse me, the term probably used the most commonly is pros uh the, the verb of pros uh, uh, for the noun for prayer. And it's interesting that this word, and indeed, uh, my former colleague David Allen Black pointed part of this out to me and others. Um, the beauty of this word is that this word isn't just, it's not just talking, it is, it's a, it is the idea of, of communion. Mm. It's the idea of, of being in the presence of someone else and, and communing with them, uh, dialoguing and fellowshipping, if I can use, say it that way. Um, in other words, and, and by the way, sometimes, when, let's say with your wife or your spouse, 
Sometimes you're talking and actively or enjoying something. Sometimes you're watching a movie together and enjoying it. Sometimes you're simply in the same room in the same house and you are aware of the other's presence and there's a sense of the uh, the other one and you're not say verbalizing, but there's still this communion that goes on, this, uh, if you will. And so I, I think this is a wonderful word. It's an incredibly rich word, worthy of a really good word, what we call word study. And Dan. So prayer is invented by God. God's the one that told us to do it. Prayer is is, is fellowship with God. It would include things like uh, you know confession and uh, uh, and supplication and uh, and thanksgiving. So there's various aspects of of prayer and different types of prayer and different words used for prayer in the Greek New Testament and for Hebrew. But the the point of it is is that it's it's basic, it's fellowship with God, often dialogue. Or communion with God would probably be the best word, a communion with God. And sometimes we're praying to God, pouring our hearts out. Uh, too many of us are just giving our prayer requests as mm. we fall asleep at night. Um, our, our, you know, our, our litany, our giant list of things, and many of those things, simply things are really not worthy of praying about. Certainly there's, there things are, and we often seem to be um, bogged down with the, with the stuff that's kind of silly. Um, in light of eternity, there's certainly... so. That's why Paul can say, so let me make the point. When Paul says in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing, well, you, you would say, well, well, wait a minute, I can't pray without ceasing. Uh, well, no, you can't pray without ceasing the way maybe many people think of it. They think of closing your eyes and or genuflecting or at least getting down on your knees. Well, you know, I know people seem to drive like that, but they're not supposed to. No, it's, it's, it's the idea of communion with God, being aware of the Latin phrase, coram Deo, in the presence of God, being aware that you are in the presence of God, you are having constant fellowship with Him, just like, you know, your spouse being with you. But only in this case, since God's on my present, wherever you go, there you are, and there He is. More importantly, um, so seriously though, so it's this fellowship, it's communion with God, uh, and sometimes it's verbalized, it's oral, if you will. Uh, but it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's grown in utterances, right? That mm-hmm. Romans 8, well, the Holy Spirit actually is interceding for us. We don't even know what to pray. We're so distraught. We're so, um, you know, uh, distressed about something that, 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 that just by our groaning and utterances, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He knows the will of God. And so uh, it's much more than that, but it's not any less than what I said. So, you know, I, I personally, like, I hardly ever pray on my knees. Uh, why? Because I have bad knees, and it kills me. All I think about is how much my knees hurt, right? <laughs> uh, and, 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 and so it's like, the, it doesn't make any sense. So I would generally find a comfortable position, if you will, and uh, a nice, quiet place. Sometimes I pray quite a bit when I'm driving. I find that very, uh, I'm able to do that because I have to watch traffic and all that, and that keeps me awake and aware, and then I'm able to have fellowship with God. And some would say, well, that's not giving the attention. Well, uh, I would debate, dispute that. And what, So what's the answer? You're not praying at all? Um, prayer is so vital, so important. Prayer is not powerful. I hate that phrase. God is powerful, and he works through prayer because he's ordained prayer, which is our communion with him. And often simply he's bringing our will in line with his will. We're not coercing him. We're not trying to get him to do things he really doesn't want to do anyway. He's getting our hearts lined up with his we get to participate in the moving of heaven and earth, uh, bringing about his will on earth as it is done in heaven and his presence. And so prayer is so important. It's a spiritual discipline, um, and that's why I mentioned E.M. Bounds' work on prayer, uh, R.A. Torrey. There's other great works, but those are certainly two seminal works on prayer. Uh, and it's And unfortunately, well, let me just say this, two things. 
Luther said he was so busy, in other words, so had so much going on, that he couldn't but pray two to three hours every day. Wow. Most of us were lucky, if the truth be known, we don't pray two or three minutes a day. Prayer is a neglected discipline in the church, and I believe it speaks to a lot of the weakness, the anemic nature of the church. We are so good about our programs and the new marketing stick and the jingos and the, all the little marketing strategies. We, we're all into that and, and Business Plans 101. Not that we shouldn't be wise and be businessmen in one sense, but we often run the church like a business, and it's not a business primarily. It is a ministry. It's about relationships with God, and so the vertical relationship ultimately with the one true triune God, and then with one another and even non-Christians, loving people. Uh, most people, many people will not read the book, as the old saying goes, but they're going to read you. And I'm really always discouraged, and I would tell you, the reason so many Christian leaders fall is because they have a mm. minimal prayer life. I've had too many tell me in leadership, I just don't have the time. And I get it, prayer is hard work. Prayer is difficult to, to concentrate, to stay focused, to work through it, um, and to until it's like it's like working out you know doing martial arts or gymnastics or, or weightlifting or anything else you know you don't do it every day but you got to have some consistency and you see the best results with that consistency prayer is a discipline it is a, a much neglected discipline not just among the body of Christ in general but among our christian leaders and i would argue that is one of the reasons besides uh, really uh, poor bible knowledge what the word of god really teaches that is why the church, I believe, is in such a mess, why America is in such a mess, because the church is in such a mess, because it is not a praying church. We don't really believe that we need God. We are absolutely dependent upon Him, that we need to abide in Him, and we can do nothing of ourselves. We really need Him. and we, well, I don't think we're really convinced unless He intervenes, unless He works, unless He moves, there'll be no move of God, there'll be no power, there'll be no conversion, there'll be no revival, there'll be no repentance. But we don't think that way. We think, you know, we can do it. I, I don't really need God's that help. We're not really convinced we individually or as a church collectively need him. And then there's silly stuff. People think they just visualize it, then God's got to give it to them. Like he's some stinking, like he's a, he's a celestial bellhop. I'm not calling bellhops stinking, but this, we have a, God's our servant. We think we tell him what to do. Are you serious? Are you out of your mind? Stop and think. A sovereign Lord of the universe, do you think you're telling him what to do? That's not quite how this works, my friend. Uh, you need to discover what meekness is and that who's really in charge, and that is God's in charge, and we align ourselves with his will. And I really believe in our own lives, in our ministries, again, individually and collectively, we do not see the work I believe we would, could, and should see because we are not a praying people. We don't take God seriously. We don't take our spiritual conditions seriously and how weak and anemic we are without God and without the, one of the great means of grace, and that is prayer. And I think we pay for it. And you, it comes out of our hide. You know, one of the things, Craig, is that, you know, if, you know, if you can't, if you can't pray, you know, uh, if you can't pray 15 minutes, 10 minutes, pray two or three minutes. Pray, yeah. though. You know, if you can't spend 15, 20, 30 minutes a day reading your Bibles, take five minutes. You know, start, but start somewhere. You know what I mean? Start somewhere. Yeah, I, would, I love I would, that, Brian. 
Go ahead. I would say this on the technology that we have. We use this technology because we are microwave thinking type people. And so I'd, I'd like to just put the people right where they are and try to challenge them right where they are. You listen to these various tracks of songs. They have what iPods or the little small things that hold billions of songs and books, Kindle books and things like that. But that book that you mentioned, the E.M. Bounds uh, book on prayer, is a huge volume. Like you said, Craig, it's just not one book, but a compilation of books. I actually found that as an e-book and just simply sat down for like 30 minutes and, and let the people read it to me as I follow along with my eyes. I mean, that's a similar way that I read the Bible through chronologically because it's, it's, uh, it's an easier way and I'm using more gates uh, to myself to be able to uh, uh, take in what I'm doing. So people, look, I would hate to be a person in this year that we live in with all this technology that we have not to read like Brian you're saying read start reading five minutes or whatever people really have trouble just sitting down and just stop doing something for five minutes and actually do the thing that I read so I'm suggesting yeah, but that they take that same five minutes put it in, in their iPod and let the Bible be read to you or and then follow it along if you can with your eyes like Craig like you do when you're driving you can go through all kind of scriptural stuff and spiritual stuff prayers psalms and everything songs like the guy who wrote the whole uh, like you said the whole Bible and right, song right. and music it's just it's just too beautiful and too wonderful and magnificent of a book not to be done in that way. I mean, we just have too many resources. And you know what? It's like, don't tell me you don't have time. That's that's what I'm saying, man. So I'm, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit you know, different. It's, it's, it's time for everything else. Exactly. Yeah, you, you it's see. It's like saying, oh, go ahead, Brian, sorry. No, no, all I was going to say is, I see people on their cell phones all, they, they, they can't put they can't put it down. Thank Cannot you. put yeah. it down. Well, you know what? There's, there's, there's some great Bible apps, like Daryl was saying. Man. And you could just follow along as as you can get the Bible read to you. You could follow along and hear it, and 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 so and follow along with it. You're hearing it, you know. And so th- there's there's really no excuse. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I look at there's 24 hours in a day. <laughs> okay, there's 60 minutes in one hour. Out of that 60 minutes of one hour out of 24 hours. You can't take five of those minutes, ten of those minutes. And, yeah, <laughs> Great, and I want to go back to what you go said. Ahead, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead, PCH. You know, uh, that, you know if you, okay, you're not going to probably do an hour or an hour and a half or something. And it's not exactly like we just punch the clock and, and, and you know, praying an hour or a half hour is a magical, you know, number or something. But, we, I mean, look, if, if anything is important, you're absolutely right, Brian, you prioritize. If you think it's important enough, you make time for it. You make time to watch TV and do everything else. And, I know you need some R and R, but start with five minutes. Start with three minutes. Start with a little list of certain people you want to pray for, family members, or uh, for certainly for our government, because oh. local, uh, state, and federal level for the world. There's so much to pray. There's so much to do, and then watch, and then gradually increase. And again, it's not like working up to a certain time. Although I would argue, after a while, you really there will be a fair amount of time, and you may not be able to do it all at once. But what matters is that you do it. A discipline. That's, as you're able to, a minute here, a two minutes there. That's why Paul can say, "Pray without ceasing." He's mm-hmm. not. This isn't hyperbole. He's not exaggerating. He's he's legitimate it, because it's again, Prush UK is this idea of a state of fellowship with God, of communion with God. And if they're abiding, okay. Craig, if they're abiding in us, I'm sorry to uh, step over you, Craig, but if they're abiding, if the Holy, since the Holy Spirit is abiding within us, yeah. then that is a fellowship. Why are we ignoring the very God that lives so in our being? So be aware. Where to yeah. abide in Him? 
Yeah, we don't want to be taken advantage right. of, right? How would you like to be somewhere and somebody ignores you? And it's not just God's feelings get hurt. Right, right, right. We're missing out. Man, the God of the universe who makes time for you. And we're like, I'm too busy, God. Hey, dude, I can't hang out. I got stuff to do. Like, uh, do what? We, Yeah, I got to check my emails for the billionth time or my text. And most of them are, or, or, or sorry, with all due respect, uh, all these, you know, Facebook stuff. People, you know, I went to the store today. Uh, so what? Come on. Mm. Serious? Mm. I mean, you have time for that? Then you have time for prayer. Trust me. Listen to my prayer. Dissing Facebook per se, but the thing is, some of the things that people uh, there's the little alarm there. Yeah, we knew that was you all the time. (laughs) 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 We had a bed inside the studio, right, Andy? That was him, right? I had a magical tune to me. Um, you know, but, but seriously, the things people make time for, and you, then you say you don't have time for prayer? Come on. Do you want your life pro- transformed? Do you want the world transformed? Your family, your children protected, grandchildren, your spouse? I mean, man, prayer is just so vital. It's to spend time with God. It's not, always, it's not easy. I don't want to make it sound like it's always this incredible experience. But I have had the mountaintop experiences. But I would argue those don't come without a whole lot of the everyday spending time with God and just getting, you know, it, it's really how, through the Word of God and prayer, it's really how we appropriate the mind of God. You spend time with Him, you know how God thinks, you know what He wants for you, gives you gives you peace. You know, one more, we're spending a lot of time on this, but it's so important. Because we don't spend enough time on it. <laughs> do, people, do people spend time uh, fretting and 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 stressing out and, oh, uh, you know, can't pay the bills, or I'm not sure how we're going to do this, send the kids to college, you know, make the mortgage, whatever. And and they'll spend all that time stressing themselves out and, and worrying in that. And when we're told, what? Cast all your anxieties upon him, for he greatly cares for you. Right? Be anxious for nothing but in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And what? The peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and mind of Christ Jesus. But no, no, I'd just rather stress myself out and maybe have a heart attack or, you know, whatever, get my blood pressure up. Does that make any sense? The apple of God's eyes even said it this way in Psalm 55. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I'm distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. I'm not talking about your job and your boss at your job, folks, but it may be you. This is what the King David said, the apple of God's eye says. So David, the king, would pray in all the various prayers he prayed, and especially Psalm 51 when he went through all that trouble with what he did. Then come on, folks. A God that you say saved your wretched soul, you don't have time for Living and abiding well, within your being, you don't have time for it. The beauty is, there's this word proskagoge that's used both of the Holy Spirit, I think it's in Ephesians or Galatians, and then I know it's used of Jesus in First Peter 3. The word, uh, and, and the word proskagoge is also the person in an oriental uh, use of, the, uh, of in the Orient when you had a king. You don't just walk into the king or queen's presence. There is an attendant. There is an official there, and one of the terms would be proskagoge, who ushers you in. In other words, says you can come in or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Remember Esther? She's, even Esther, the queen's wife, can't just go in his presence right. without the king's That's permission. Right. That's right. So, but who gives us permission to go in God's presence? Who ushers us into the very throne room of oh, the triune God of the universe? It is through the personal work of the Lord oh, Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and by the Spirit of God, yes. to, literally uh, welcoming us into the presence of God. You know, if the Queen of England or somebody, whomever, 
would call up and say, hey, I want you to come visit me. Most of you would, like, you wouldn't be able to sleep. You'd hop on the plane and be there. And yet the God of the universe wants to have an, uh, he has granted you an audition with him, a chance to enter his presence uh, regularly, daily. And we're like, nah, too busy, got things to do. Mm. Wow. Brother Dan, that's an excellent question, man, as usual. Uh, excellent thoughts. You, any closing we thoughts from no you, Dan? Yeah. Other, yeah, other than that, I have no too much to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wish you wouldn't hold back. Uh, he, he's not a pinch hitter. We we tend to go to him with the foxhole <laughs> prayer. We use yeah. him as a pinch hitter, and he's not a yeah. genie either. I'm so in a bind. He wants communion with us. Cosmic uh, bellhop, huh? <laughs> we don't we don't have time for prayer. You don't have time not to pray. Yeah, oh. most people don't have pro time until uh, the, the the serious injury or death of a loved one, cancer, some you know serious illness. Oh, all of a sudden they've got time. All right. No, then it's just complaints. It's just complaints. But really. I mean, even though that is yeah. prayer, it's complaints. Maybe well, if you took more time, you wouldn't have to be in those situations. And, and again, uh, I don't want to just guilt people. Exactly, Dan. But often God has to get our attention. But I don't just guilt like, oh, you're you're hurting God's feelings. Look, He doesn't need us. It's not like he's lonely or bored. He's got to spend time with you. He has no other friends. Let's get this thing straight here. You don't want to you guilt know? him, Craig, but I'm, not, I'm but, not saying that's not me. I don't have a problem guilting people if it's godly guilt, if it's godly sorrow. We, yeah, but often aren't we fair-weather friends? Absolutely. We're friends with God when it suits us, when we're yeah. really in a bind. As you said, Dan, the pinch. When I, when I need the pinch hitter, oh, God, please. But other than that, I'm busy, man. Sorry. Hey, love you, buddy, but you don't have time right now. Exactly. That's right. Dan, appreciate right. you, brother. Last thing on it. Sure. Um, Brian, did you get my text about the contemplative prayer? Uh, I don't know. You were thinking about th it. I don't think I did. <laughs> Stop it, Craig. <laughs> Stop it. He's contemplating. Uh, I'm contemplating. <laughs> Craig told me two weeks ago to get with you to get the copy from uh, Walter Martin's uh, and Kaiser's uh, Biblical Meditation. Yes, when you weren't here, Brian. It was about the, he asked that question a couple of weeks ago about that. Yeah, but yeah. I did text you. Uh, text me All again, because right. I don't recall seeing I'll, that. I'll send, I'll send it. All right. Thanks, Dan. God bless you. Stop it, Craig. You already said that one. Thanks, Craig. Thank you, Dan. Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to the contemplative Brian Allen, Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH, Daryl E.C.D. Fulton. Brother Eric is saying, what? We have a clear board of calls. That's cool because I got a couple of questions I think it's going to take us to the end. We have some. Yeah, that's the first time in a long time. You know, like. Can I get the number, Brian? Andy made a point about people are probably still on vacation. To vacation? You mean maybe they're uh -huh. praying? Maybe they're praying right now. Maybe they yeah. took our advice. But the number, if you want to call in for the last quarter of the broadcast, is one triple eight LA Talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven. Our website is bibleinfobrokers.com. Go there. You can send us an email question by way of contact. Now, Brian, I have a question unless you want to read that email question. Are you got that together? Yeah, Do we need yeah, to put it together yeah. first? Because did you guys? Long. Did you guys? I know. I know. This one's okay. Uh, you know, this one's from uh, Mr. Jackson. Did you guys deal with this one where it says the body of Christ is facing a new dilemma with those who claim to be transgendered? This is the new civil rights issue that is sweeping the nation and infiltrating our evangel evangelical churches, calling for true believers to take a stand. School districts are now refusing to call their students girls and boys. And just last week, the New York Transit Authority has instructed their conductors to refer to their riders as passengers not ladies and gentlemen. I mean, they're they're, Gender neutral. Gender they're, neutral, they're so. referred to them as passengers, mm -hmm. not ladies and gentlemen. These and other actions are being promoted as tolerant, so no one is offended. 
gender fluidity is the latest fad in the sex and gender revolution. Followers ascribe to a belief that there's really no such thing as male or female. I believe that the church has been too silent and accommodating and is not and and too accommodating as to not appear as being judgmental to the LGBTB community. We have been sleeping and the enemy has sown tares among the wheat and now it's affecting the ministry of the church. A prominent doctor at John Hopkins summed it up like this. No amount of surgery or hormone treatments will make a man a woman or a woman a man. It is mental illness and is not but men masquerading as women and women masquerading as men. As with gay marriage, what is the best biblical response for believers when confronted with this transgender issue? Well, you know, that's uh, that, I remember that question. We, we didn't deal with it, uh, Brian, to answer your question, uh, PCA, but I remember having it uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago when Brian wasn't here, and we just ran out of time. That kind of leads into also, uh, uh, Craig, we can just couple it in with the, the issue I, I have as well, is that everything is coming in the roost, not along, I mean, we're going to deal with this question. And give the number again. I, I will in a second, but I, we, we're going to deal with this question. But I also want to throw in there, Craig, about what is turning in, uh, what's coming in the roost on us from the uh, Bill Clinton days when we were just saying back in the day of the Monica Lewinsky stuff, where it's, it's just sex, it's no, you know, it's not anything to do with the person's job, it's just sex, it's just sex, it's nothing else. But sex, so that's, that's why we making such a big deal about that. Like the consensual sex age of various uh, states is different, and I'm saying all that stuff is coming on us now. And you, we see the the birth or the grandchildren, if you would, of what's going on in our society now with all that uh, all the sexual uh, accusations and everything that's coming uh, in front of us. And now we have the like you said, LBGT. Q, and we're going to add a few more words onto it now, transgender and things like that. But um, let's deal with that question. I'll give the number. Brian, why don't you give the number? I don't remember it all the time. one 888 talks What's the number? 888 528 Let me see if I wrote that down. Yeah, there's 1-888-LA-TALKS. 1-888-528-2557. You're yeah, right. we have a clear board, so yeah. if you have a question. Eric, did you, are you doing something about callers, Eric? I saw, a matter of fact, I saw Jay call. Jay, I saw your question, but I didn't write it down completely. But, Craig, let's deal with this transgender issue. Let's deal with the issue about uh, that, that whole subject about the traditions of our nation for the last, like, uh, 30 years. I'm going to call it the Clinton era. You know, and the people wrote books about this. It's coming uh, to birth. I mean, we're, we're getting, we're reaping what we sold by dealing with these issues so softly, if you can use that expression. Well, let's uh, discuss this in the time that we have. I have a lot of resources, actually. I teach and stuff related to this in one, one of my classes, for example. Um, I, I don't want to sound like everybody's into this as an intellectual argument. It's not the case, but I, I do want to talk about that level. But I want to give you an example. I might have mentioned this the other day, but... Uh, my boys attend a, a certain martial arts studio where they work out, and uh, there's a young girl in there in their class, and at any rate, they didn't know how young she was. She's, she's really tall. She's almost six foot. And so, but at any rate, um, uh, one day, apparently, she, she, she had like a little doll or, or stuffed animal or something attached to her gym bag. And my younger son in particular shouldn't have done it, but he was, he, was, he was joking with her about it. And... Uh, and 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 then my other older son was doing that as well, for example. And uh, and she goes and she goes basically get off my case. I'm only 11. And this was like a year ago, okay. Mm-hmm. And and she goes. In other words, so and they're like, oh wow, dad, we didn't know she was just 11. Well, okay, uh, playing dolls, no big deal. And you're 11. 
And then this year, just a month or two ago, she, they were talking to her, and she talked about being bisexual. Yes. And, all this. and I'm like, wait a minute. From 11 to bisexual. Dolls, <laughs> in six months or a year, now you're bisexual and really experimenting, and you know you're bisexual. I was like, who told her that? Where did she get this? She didn't just sit down and figure that out. This is what the culture is telling her. This is what they're getting at school and everywhere else. And so, yeah, um, but this isn't just a fad. Uh, with, I appreciate it, Phil, but this isn't a fad. This is stuff's been going on for quite a while. And let me just paint the big picture for a moment. Now, the, really, there are a number of intellectuals who really espouse this stuff uh, at, at many levels, but particularly someone named Judith Butler, uh, who got a Ph.D. in philosophy, I think it was at Yale, what have you. She teaches at UC Berkeley, and she has a book, for example, called Gender Trouble and other works. And basically... She, based upon views somewhat of a guy named Jacques Lacan and a bunch of other stuff, and people like Julia Kristeva and others in Europe and otherwise, basically there's a view that basically there, there is no, this is a form of what's called nominalism. Look, folks, ideas have consequences. I know some people think, oh, there he goes again, all these big words. You know what, it's important to know what these words are because these are what are running our culture, these ideas. As Schaefer said, ideas have consequences. Uh, at any rate, so that they would say that people don't have a nature or essence, as natural law has taught in the, the Christian ethic, if you will, that, that people do have a nature. They, they're male or female. Now, there are difficulties. There are times people who are maphrodites have genitalia, both right. male and female. But those are the exceptions. That's not, no, that's not the norm. Uh, but at any rate, it does happen. Sure, we need to, uh, to, to, to um, talk about those matters and be, and be sensitive to those cases. But, but the point is, is, so there's this whole view out there that basically uh, there is no God, or if there is, he, she, or it doesn't care about our sexuality and what we choose gender. Now, some people are speaking out of both sides of their mouth. There was a SB, uh, SB 1172. It says, well, people are born this way. It's nature, hardwired, so we can't cancel kids under 18 regarding their sexuality. But the major intellectual view is that the that, that, that biology is irrelevant. It's that you choose. Some of the concepts, just quickly, is called performativity. This is a form of what's called speech act theory, John Austin. Basically, the sentences really aren't true or false propositions. These are just simply things we do. We have no nature. It's how we act. It's a form of existentialism. So uh, we act. If, if, uh, if I wanted, they want to dress up like a drag queen or whatever, that's who they are because there is no essence. It is simply what people do. And so we've gotten away from the whole Judeo-Christian uh, ethic and the idea that people have a nature, an essence. They're human, and they're male or female. And now that scene is, you use the term fluidity. That's exactly it, Daryl. It's fluid. Mm -hmm. I, could be, I could choose, they would say, to be male today, female tomorrow, uh, transsexual the next day, and then who knows, some other uh, uh, non-binary, some other uh, multiple uh, combination thereof or what have you, because it's... There is no even you, they would actually argue, in a postmodern sense. Another issue. Now, look, I know this stuff gets heavy and difficult, but our culture has been playing with this stuff for 70 years. I mean, for good, for, since the 70s, the 60s, actually. Because Christians are so ignorant of this stuff and don't know the arguments, they just keep wanting to treat the symptoms. Well, the, the, the issue is sin, of course, but so this is a total full-on rebellion against God making Adam and Eve. Uh, this is, indeed, some argue the ultimate right is to actually to take your own life. 
uh, suicide is the, you should be your ultimate right. The, that's the ultimate defiance to God. So, so we're dealing with this at many, many levels, and the Church has got to learn its biology. Uh, it's got to learn uh, the, the evidence and, of course, the biblical perspective. Uh, there's some great material. Um, Breakpoint, the commentary that was originally founded by Chuck Colson, if you go to their website, Breakpoint, uh, the, and their um, commentaries, there's one done on transgender. And it's phenomenal. They did a phenomenally good job. And they actually have another one, an interview with a guy who did that went through. Uh, uh, they've changed the name now. I'm probably being politically incorrect, but uh, a gender reassignment surgery or whatever they call it, and and he really regrets that. You know, they're actually giving some kids hormone to present, prevent them from going into puberty because they think that, mm. that you know you don't want to you know, let them become male or female. So their parents are giving them drugs that are have radical effects. Think of it this way. All things equal. What if a person goes into a doctor's office, has a perfectly good arm, and there's a name for this, I keep forgetting the name, um, or a leg, and they say, I want you to amputate this. There are people who say, you know, what if somebody comes in your office and pulling their hair out? And you go, well, obviously there's, there's a problem here. We need to work through some issues and find out what's going on. Or, you know, we can't, we're not going to amputate a perfectly good arm or leg. Um, there, there's an issue going on here, and we need to work with you. But somebody comes in and says, I want you to, to, to remove my genitalia. I think on this. And, well, okay, well, let's put it correct. Let's do it. There's, the, the whole thing is messed up from the ground up. But Christians are so naive. We're so not very knowledgeable. Uh, so, for example, there's a great book by uh, Jer- Jer- Jeffrey Satinover. He has a Ph.D., I believe, in physics. He's a medical doctor and psychologist. So it means, in other words, psychiatrist. That is, excuse me. So he actually has the M.D., and then he actually has a, you know, a doctorate in psychology as well. Um, and he says, look, there's no biological evidence for this stuff. You know, I mean, with all due respect, this is political. It's called The Politics of Homosexuality. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenal work. And he says, look, you, you look at that, there's no evidence. There's no gay gene or whatever else you want to call this stuff. It doesn't exist. Um, there's no evidence for this. And so, again, we're not going to beat people up. We're not going to just be mean to them, but we're going to say, look, where'd you get this idea? Who told you this? But they've bought into a worldview that says, basically, I can be or do anything I want to be. It's actually from a guy named uh, uh, John Stuart Mill, and it was called the No Harm Doctrine. Mm. Basically, the idea is, if I'm not, quote-unquote, harming anybody, we've got to define that, I can do, should be able to do whatever I want. So if I'm not harming anyone... I can do anything I want. Look, well, you, and then, you hit it right on the head, Craig, about, you know, you got to define that. What does that mean, if I'm not harming anyone? Well, there were people who say that the prostitution doesn't harm anybody. That's not right. true. There are studies done on this that it does harm the women, and most of them are coerced one way or the other into doing this. They don't choose to do that. Um, but, but, uh, but at any rate, so absolutely, Brian, so, um, so the no harm doctrine, so... Basically, I can do, and it's old-line liberalism, I can do whatever I want. Uh, this government exists to guarantee my freedoms, my rights, in quotes. They talk about rights, like mm. obvious, and everywhere, to do whatever I want. And, you know, so in the Netherlands, uh, uh, if you have young kids, you probably don't want them listening to this part. You probably uh, know, Greg. Go ahead. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, in the Netherlands, people can have relations with animals. Brothels. Brothels in Germany. Very animals. And, yeah, and, and, well, and Holland and whatnot. And yeah. people would say, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. Oh, come on, it's already going on. Are you that naive? You don't know this? 
It's already going on. And Peter Singer, a major ethicist, would say you're guilty of speciesism. You think humans are better and can't have yes. relations with animals? You think you can just own a pet? That's your problem. You're messed up, he would say. You're guilty of not so much sexism or racism here, but speciesism, as he calls it. And so this is what's going on. So we need to read, uh, of course, know what the Bible says. Uh, again, a couple of really good works. The Politics of Homosexuality by Satinover is a phenomenal book. Um, there is a book by Norman Geisler, uh, the co-author, called Legislating Morality. Legislating Morality, which deals with these types of issues. And uh, there are a number of articles, but probably the best book uh, dealing with homosexuality. There's a, a number of essays from a number of sources. Uh, I'll recommend two here. Um, <clears throat> but one of them is by James D. Young, James B. D. Young, D-E, then capital Y-O-U-N-G, uh, it, why does it all these books have these giant titles? It's called homosexuality. <laughs> it's homosexuality, contemporary claims examined in light of the Bible and other ancient literature and law. It's a complicated um, issue, Greg. But, That's but why. <laughs> homosexuality by James D. Young, phenomenal book, phenomenal book. And another one that deals with the political but also the biblical basis for this is uh, Homosexuality in American Public Life. Mm. Homosexuality in American Public Life, edited by Crystal. Crystal and uh, Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. Um, phenomenal book, essays by people like uh, Robbie George and uh, a number of others who I think really just help uh, present these views and, 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 and for what they are. And it's just, just this radical, autonomous view that as humans we can do whatever we want. I am whoever I want to be, claim to be, think I am, and biology is irrelevant. And the state ought to get on board and even help me if I want so-called gender reassignment or whatever the politically correct term is. Uh, we should all support that. Look, we let's be clear here. We we agree we should love people. We should show concern and compassion. We don't just you know go off on them and whatnot. But when somebody starts trying to tell me that this is is just okay and that it's no big deal, uh, I want to lovingly, respectfully, civilly, but nonetheless publicly disagree and say, look, let's. Let's talk about this. This, this. this doesn't make any sense. You, your arguments are unprincipled. You're all over the place. You're basically saying you want to be able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, with whatever, whomever you want to do it, and you and I should somehow defend your right to do that. Well, in America, you probably do have a right to do almost all those things and whatnot, but I, you do not have the right to make demand me that to say it's okay. It's not okay. And we want to... Uh, meet people where they are, but say, look, something's wrong here. Something is very wrong. And I just, like I said, correct, the, um, the, the, the established legacies that we have in this nation, uh, be it in pockets of 10, 20, 30, 40 years, or the politics of everything you were just mentioning, of even of homosexuality and all the various agendas. Uh, it's just, so, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm going to say it like this. I'm waiting for the time where the, uh, the pedophiles organize in such a degree that they become politically correct as well. And just fine with that. I mean, it, it's been in the works for years that I've, I've I've been knowing about when I was, you know, back in the, my academy days and back in my uh, law days. But it's serious. It's it's a serious thing that way we establish our legacies and the various things we go through from a political perspective. Craig, like I mentioned, the, the Clinton situation is now all coming to uh, to roost, as it were. Craig, what was the author's James uh, uh, James Young? What was his uh, middle initials? No, it's D. James D. It's actually it's, his middle initial is B. James B. But his name is actually D. E. K. 
capital D E, excuse me, then capital Y O U N G. James oh, D. Young. Okay. Homosexuality. That's a phenomenally good book on the overview of ancient uh, views and literature on homosexuality and the Christian view as well and Jewish view. The other book, which is just uh, an unsung hero, I, I need to get the title accurate. It's Homosexuality and the Politics of Truth. Homosexuality and the Politics of Truth by Je- Jeffrey Satinover, S-A-T-I-N-O-V-E-R. Again, I'm pretty sure he has a Ph.D. <laughs> He's taught at MIT. He uh, got his degrees at MIT, Harvard, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, he has, I believe he has a Ph.D. in physics. He's also a licensed psychiatrist, therefore he's a <laughs> medical doctor as well. Right. And his views are not very popular. By the way, you can go online, Jeffrey Satinover. He's not ad hominem people. He simply looks at the evidence and says it doesn't exist. And so he say, well, I was born this way. And is James D.E. Young? James B, as in boy. Okay. Then D Young. Okay, gotcha. gentlemen, we got about five more minutes left in the broadcast. I want to bring up South Carolina, Rachel and Jay. We dropped your call again. Jay was right on the top, the, the subject of uh, same sex uh, and some questions in regards to that. So, Jay, if we can't get you today, please call back next week. And I apologize by whatever the technology is happening. But let's go to South uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, and talk with Rachel. Rachel, thanks for holding on and calling in at this time of night for you. Hi, it's good to hear y'all. I'm up, and I'd love to get some information about some good books for church history on, like, the first 400, 500 years of church history. You know, Rachel, there's a, um, if, I, I can put you on hold for something. I'm, I'm going through a series of, um, um, what is it, um, um, Renewing Your Mind. Um, the uh, R.C. Sproul's group put out a, uh, a thing on church history that I, I can actually uh, send you on how you can very easily get it and send you a copy of it. That's just one thing I can send you, but PCH, I know you have some other suggestions for as well. Being the bibliophile that I am, is that what you're saying, <laughs> uh, I'm saying that, lovingly saying that. <laughs> no, we all know it's true. I love books. Books are our friends. Um, <laughs> but do you have room? <laughs> well, my wife would debate that. <laughs> there you go. So All right, we got four minutes left. <laughs> let me recommend a, a couple, uh, uh, several, um, and any one of these will do. Uh, Kenneth Scott La Tourette, the older work, Kenneth Scott La Tourette. Let me spell that, Rachel. L-A-T-O-U-R-E-T-T-E. L-A-T-O-U-R-E-T-T-E. Kenneth Scott La Tourette has a multi-volume set on church history and uh, earlier volumes, of course, dealing with earlier church history. His work is uh, just very, very good. Um, Philip Schaff, F-C-H-A-F-F, Philip Schaff uh, was also a phenomenal church historian. He has a multi-volume set. I can't remember if it's six or eight volumes. At least six in volume one would be, of course, the earliest church. Schaff, that's a standard. Uh, then there's a number of other books that would be, you know, condensed that. They'd have chapters on the early church. Carnes, C-A-I-R-N-S, C-A-I-R-N-S, has a very good work. Just use his name, Carnes, on church history. I think he's really solid as well. And I do want to recommend, I mentioned this earlier, and while it's, it's, it's doctrinal in nature um, and dealing with false doctrines, uh, regarding the, well, all kinds of issues, but I, I cannot overemphasize the book Heresies by Harold O.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. It really is church history, and a big part of the book deals with earliest church history, 
And if I could only own ten books, uh, <laughs> besides my Bible, that would be one of the ten I would choose. Great book. Oh. I have that book. Heresies by O.J. Brown. Harold, Harold O.J. Brown. It, it seems to be the initial night. Harold O.J. <laughs> uh, O.J. Brown. And it's just a phenomenal book, republished by Hendrickson. You probably can pick it up for 10 15 bucks, and it's a phenomenal book. But again, the stuff by Schaff, by La Tourette, um, by Carnes. I have other books, but I got Williston Walker's, the classic work I have, one of the books I cut my teeth on in church history. Uh, that's a much more liberal author, so I, I want to be careful recommending that one. Um, but, but he does play hardball at the early church. But anyways, the other three or four I recommended, those are my first go-to choices uh, for early church history. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome, Rachel. And if you want that outline that I have, just simply uh, go to our website, Bible Info Brokers, and just contact us, send us an email, and I'll get that to you. Okay. All right. Thank All you very right. much. And thank you. We sending you something in the mail. Hopefully you'll get it before Christmas. We thank you very much, Rachel, in advance. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Gentlemen, um, take uh, a minute each, and let's get out of here. Well, we're going to take one minute. You know, I, I, you know, I want to go back to what we talked about earlier today as we started the show. I want to end with the show is to, uh, you know, I would encourage our listeners out there to, if they're not spending time in prayer, uh, make sure you, you, you make that a point. E even if you have to write a big note to yourself, post it on your computer, post it on your desk, post it on your, on your dresser to, to uh, spend time in prayer and spend time reading your Bibles and start getting into a habit. It, you know, just like taking your vitamins, just like taking your shower, uh, just make it a habit of what you do on a daily basis. Uh, you know, even if you're sitting down at breakfast time or, or lunchtime and you got your food out there, put your, you know, put your Bible out there. Spend time in prayer. PCH. That's uh, phenomenal. Uh, Brian, I want to say two things quickly. We do need to hear from you. Uh, I'll peel the tax time as well. You know yes. what? You can save your, get this tax deduction. Uh, God ordains means and ends, and we love what we do, but it takes funds. We don't get a salary. The money goes towards the radio expenses. So... We just want you to know, really appreciate that. If you're able to do that, please sit down and write a check or however you want to do that. They'll tell you again. And, again, test all things, hold fast to that, which is good. And we, we mentioned that applies to what we say. We, do, we say, don't believe it's because we say it. Check it out. Test all things, including what we say. Hold fast to that, which is good. And our argument is if you, as you study the life of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, you'll see that it's true. Christianity is true, not because we're better, brighter, smarter people. We're not, but because of the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the final minute, I would say, of all the things we have to be thankful for, we should be thankful for the ability that people are not kicking down on doors and arresting us for reading this Word of God, like the various not places yet. that Professor, yeah, exactly. Not yet. I'm glad you interrupted and said that, because that's so so pervasive, PCH. And I'm telling you, folks, uh, take it from a person who's not, not a prophet, nor claim to be the son of a prophet, but I'll tell you one thing, it's not uh, far-fetched prophecy to say this, that uh, in our pathetic ways of being the way we are as far as being apathetic about the Word of God, pray and pray up to God that you would read the Word. And so on behalf of Professor Brian, Andy, and my good friend Eric, thank you, Eric. Uh, this is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, Mama Grace, and Big Daddy's Baby Boy saying, the Lord willing, we'll be back next week. More of the Bible Information Brokers Open Forum. Please, please, please get into the Word so you can know the Word and know what you believe, why you believe it. God bless you. <laughs>